Hey, Fiends of the Pod, this is your host, film critic and comedian Nate Wyckoff, reminding you to like, subscribe, and comment. You can also go to cultandclassicfilms.com slash subscribe and sign up to have cult exclusive movies sent to your door every single month. These are ultra low budget exclusive films that we get to you in the best quality possible with tons of extras like commentaries, milk caps, autographed posters, slip covers, all sorts of neat things. And remember, every time you like, subscribe and buy a movie from us, you prevent Michael Bay from making one more film. So go ahead, subscribe and enjoy. Welcome, friends and fiends, to a brand new episode of Cult and Classic Films Podcast, the podcast where we talk to you about two thematically linked films, one mainstream and one cult. I'm your host, film critic and comedian Nate Wyckoff, and with us today we have uh, two contribute returning contributors, the longtime contributor Tad Mastriani. How are you doing, Tad? Uh... <laughs> Tad is uh, one of the, the millions of people in the U.S. who are sick with something some some respiratory illness that is just everybody's got something uh get your vax get vaxxed corinne and i uh, got vaxxed today and speaking of uh corinne corinne porter's here today how are you doing corinne uh my my hair is a very upsetting but other than that yeah i'm good um i'm very disappointed i've gotten i've gotten boosted so many times and still no superpowers magnets don't stick to me and um boosted yeah. COVID? Oh. We got our coaster. Right. Our yeah. I already, COVID I already forgot. Today. Yes, we did. We did get the COVID booster. And uh, yeah, I can't, I don't have any nano bots in me. I, I'm pretty sure yeah. I could tell. Uh, I was really ridiculous. hoping I would be a superhuman by now. And that is yeah, not happening. It's, it's ridiculous. Um, I think I've I was, been lied to. I was to. promised superpowers or an extra limb at the very least. I've, uh, who would have thought that Alex Jones was a liar? Uh, you know, <laughs> probably a lot of people. Okay. So uh, this is an exciting one for me because we are going to talk about Zack Snyder's new Netflix original film, Rebel Moon, part one, A Child of Fire. Uh, so everybody's seen Rebel Moon. Many, many people, I should say, not everyone. Uh, it is available on Netflix. It launched on December 22nd of 2023. Um, it, this is just the reality uh, with Zack Snyder movies. They are incredibly divisive. There is no such thing as someone who uh as like an entire group of people who love Zack Snyder movies if they haven't you know made the decision already it seems like people will just decide to dislike something this is interesting I actually think that this one though uh which we'll talk about is sort of being taken the wrong way and if if it was looked at from what I think it actually is it's quite interesting but this movie is PG-13 uh interesting fact is Netflix uh said we you can't just do an extreme R-rated uh, Star Wars movie, which is essentially what Zack Snyder wanted to do. And they said, but how about this? You make the PG-13 movie and we'll give you X, Y, and Z money to uh, at the same time film all the additional footage to make your, your R-rated cut. And he's like, that's great. I'll do that. And he also said, "It's I'm looking forward to sort of the special features on a physical release for the, the uh, extended cut compared to this one, because he said it was very strange making essentially two different movies at the exact same time. You know, with the Snyder cut of, um, of Justice League, uh, he shot a huge amount more footage. I mean, it went from like two, almost two and a half hours to about four hours. Um, and they redid everything. 
that was already existent as well. So this is a different beast. Uh, for those who haven't really been looking into it, uh, the new Netflix was apparently terrified when they saw the director's cut uh, because it is full of nudity and, ex and extreme violence. So it's very interesting to see what this version, which is a very um, pretty fam, no, I wouldn't say family. It's it's one of those movies that's not much more edgy than Star Wars, you know, maybe a little more. A PG versus a PG thirteen. Okay, so the plot is Star Wars. Uh, it is Rogue One without the stupid um, new ending that they made. It was with the original ending where people actually live to have uh, things happen later on. Tad's already foaming at the mouth, but yes, a uh, a woman is also sort of Warhammer forty thousand. A woman raised to be a uh, extreme militant um, high guard kind of person uh, for this empire like group, which is it's the Empire, the First Order, whatever you want to call it, Nazis. That's what they are. Uh, they're taking over the galaxy. They have um, killed their apparently noble king, and now they're using the idea that the king was assassinated by a, an off-world or by an alien. They're using it to stoke xenophobia and take over everything and rule it as though they're the actual ones doing the right thing when really they're straight-up Nazis. Uh, so this woman escapes. She knows the truth. She goes to a small village that are vi space Vikings, essentially. They're, um, they're farmers. And then, uh, of course, the Empire, or whatever, Imperium, anything you want to call it, shows up and says, hey, give us your grain and tell us where the rebels are. Well, things go badly, so she ends up going, it's Seven Samurai's take, as as Snyder sees it, which is really the introduction to um, heist movies. She's got to assemble a team. So she gets a team. It's not so obvious the way they do it, but she assembles a team, and then this team ends up battling the, uh, the most available big baddie, who is uh, a you know, a middle-level Nazi, I would assume. He he reports to the, the head-up guy. He's the Darth Vader to the Emperor Palpatine. Okay, so the reason I'm saying all of these things in Star Wars is because, yes, Zack Snyder originally talked to George Lucas quite a few years ago because he wanted to do an R-rated Star Wars film. Well, Lucas shortly thereafter sold the property to Disney. Zack Snyder years later came back and said, hey, Disney, uh, I think what he probably said is, I, it's clear you need to revamp the series. I have this uh, complete everything for an R-rated film that would really be a departure and uh, in tone. And they said, uh, absolutely not, totally no. So he said, screw it. I'm just going to fanfic this and change all the names and location names and go to go somewhere else. And Netflix says, we want it because we're looking for properties that we can turn out multiple films off of uh, and compete with say, Disney, Warner Brothers, et cetera. So that's what this is, okay? Uh, without going to full discussion thus far, um, Corinne, what were, what were your expectations of this movie? And then what did you feel, what did you think about it after you saw it? I mean, I'm not, I'm not anti-Star Wars, but I'm also not a, like a diehard fan. So I went into it just like, all right, like, um, I'm like, cowboy movie in space, I'm down for that. Um, seeing the movie, I was so happy um and i can see why you and i have talked previously about why I'm like oh i can see why i know exactly who doesn't like this movie because it's so clearly for the girls the the theys and the gays um i'm a little nervous to see the r-rated version because watching the pg-13 version i was like oh there's like all, there's very little nudity like there's some topless scenes but it's all like muscly dudes oiled up muscly dudes and i was like 
finally like it was yeah. just, and like there's it sounds there's very Zack Snyder and True. uh and uh we talked Nathan and I previously talked about how so there's a scene where the space Nazis come to the village and they're gonna assault one of the village women and I just I know assault happens in real life, but when it's done in fiction, it's so obviously very clearly someone on the production team's like fantasy. It's just usually not done very well. And in this movie, I feel like the threat is very real and the fear is there, but like she never gets her clothes ripped off. She's not really like, she doesn't get manhandled in the scene and she's saved before anything bad happens to her. So, but I feel like the threat was made very real and it shows the lead character like hear this start to happen. And you're, and you're like, is she not going to help her? Mm-hmm. And you know that happens all the time, right? People are like, yep. not my circus, not my monkeys when they see something awful happening to somebody else. And there's, so there, I feel like there's also like a real moment of fear for the audience when you're like, oh, this terrible thing might happen. And then she ends up getting saved by the hero of the movie. And um, it's just, again, I think like violence against women is so obviously used as a titillating thing in so many action movies and that it was such a relief very early on in the movie to be like, oh, cool. All the shirtless people are hot dudes and there isn't like needless, like gratuitous violence against women. Um, there's there's like no male gaze in this movie, frankly. Um, it, and that's, I also had the thought of the R-rated. Like I, I like when Zack Snyder goes off and does something insane <laughs> because that's kind of where he is in many ways. I think that's where he's best. It's, it's just pure visual madness, but watching the pg-13 version i found myself going i i almost i i did want some of the violence because there are clearly moments where the brutality is intended like they actually pulled back on blood that clearly is supposed to be there sometimes uh but especially with the nudity and things it's really going to be interesting to see where it comes in because as you said it could very easily be turned into you know yet another um titillation via uh exploitation yeah. whereas currently like you said uh all of the skin is bared by the male characters quite mm-hmm. a few of them uh yeah. and and that's that's so that's an interesting interesting point and i hadn't thought about it and frankly as a a white middle class cis man i don't <laughs> think i would have seen it uh without without you to point it out Tad, what were you, you were not a Zack Snyder fan. That is not a surprise for most people on this film. I think when we watched Army of the Dead, his first full Netflix project, um, I think you said it's, it's, I I think you said, I didn't hate it. It just, I, it wasn't good or something like that. Like for Zack Snyder, I think you said it was probably one of the better, but that didn't sell it for you. So what were you, what was your takeaway watching Rebel Moon part one? Where do I start? (laughs) So, um, I, it is much more difficult for me to judge a film on its own merits when I immediately know off the bat that it is essentially supposed to be a property for another <laughs> franchise mm-hmm. that is, is essentially rejected and, and redone. And it's pretty obvious. If you are nerdy, if you're, if you're in these spaces at all, what you find is, um, I, there was a quote that I, uh, I read recently about this movie that it that exemplifies everything i felt about it it is a sci-fi film entirely made out of spare parts mm-hmm. and i took that to heart because i saw so much from other properties in mm-hmm. here yes that were borrowed stolen whatever you want and i i understand that's that's just the nature of this business is you're going to 
beg, steal, and borrow whatever you can when you can't, because there's nothing new. There's nothing new under the sun. Everything's been done. So you just, everything is an iteration. But to blatantly steal from other properties and pass it off as your own is so disingenuous I, and so brazen by him. It is it blows my fucking oh, it's, mind. It's he lot. stole so much from 40K. He stole so much from Dune. He stole, I guess, some things from Star Wars. Like there was laser swords that weren't lightsabers. And, and yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it it's whatever. There's tons of properties that have that. Gundam has it. Who fucking cares? Yeah. But to have a character named Belisarius, to see blatant references to the Mechanicus, mm-hmm. to ha- it, it, and then the uniforms where it's basically, that's a commissar from 40K. Not only that, a nazi I, but yeah the same, I, the same I mean i was like oh space nazis yeah yes but that's but that's the thing is like there is a certain aesthetic that 40k pushes it takes an aesthetic and pushes it further out and that's that's what mm-hmm. 40k is it makes everything bigger more flashier big 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 you know like it's the true grim dark universe as well yeah. it's it's intentionally just horrendous the, here's the thing that i think and i think you're getting to the perfect core of where i think people are, are really misinterpreting it in a way. Here's what I guarantee happened because it's so, because as you said, it's so obvious to be, as to be brazen is he, they said, cause it was not apparently a quiet no. They said, there is no way in hell you were making this Star Wars movie. And what he said was, I think when he came back and left, when he left and went to Netflix or rather Netflix came to him, by the way, they, I think he said, okay, well, if it's not Star Wars, I'm going to take everything I like from Star Wars and I'm going to do it my way. And he does that throughout this with ev- tons of properties. And here's the thing I'll say about it. I don't think he makes any allusion to the fact that anything here is new individually. The components, as you said, they are not new at all. But what he did, in my opinion, and I think this was intentional, whether or not you agree that he succeeded it's because it's so everything um, from everywhere else. He's saying, you know what? Screw it. I'm already taking Star Wars and making this a Star Wars movie in my universe. I'm also going to take this from Avatar, which I'm sorry, was a piece of garbage movie. And I have a feeling he feels the same way. You're goddamn right it was. It was. <laughs> um, he, he took and he said, you know what? I'm going to make a good flying scene. Okay. And how about, um, I mean, you said a little bit from Star Wars. The plot is so dramatically Star Wars. Now, it's, to say that, it really is Seven Samurai because Rogue One is Seven that's Samurai. What, that's what Star Wars is. Yes. Star Wars is Hidden Fortress and Seven Samurai, yes, but with, in space, blah, blah, blah. Nate, listen, if Zack Snyder actually basically thought, here's the things I like about Star Wars and here's the movie of it, he has completely fucking missed the point of Star Wars, okay? Like well, none of the actual root themes of Star Wars are in this film. All right. Well, There's no neither are they in Rogue One. I'm not saying he stole New so, Hope. Rogue One, Rogue One, remember, is a story in the universe. It is not a Lucas story. It is not part of what his mythos actually I'm was. I'm also not pretending a, that it's a good movie anymore. It's not a good it is, movie. It is just a it's that's like playing a video game. If you play a Star Wars video game, you can go, yay, I'm playing a Star Wars video game. It's not really part of the I see story. what you're saying, but can I guess 
in that concept then to me something like rogue one is playing a a a telltale game i'm watching things and i'm like i guess i like the atmosphere whereas to me zach snyder says that's not as important to me as carrying me through this is a big set piece game this is things yes. are falling down around me and i guess it does fall to a certain level of preference right because he he really doesn't do anything original as you said and i i just i can't because it's so obvious no here's the thing that Zack snyder's not obvious about he does not do nuance in storytelling he never has <laughs> there's no claim to that right we're talking i mean he took the most surface level obvious frank miller comic ever 300 and did a very visually brilliant version of it which is what 300 is known for is is frank miller's artwork with lynn barley's watercolors and he did that on the big screen and this is the stage where everybody loves Zack snyder okay then he does guardians of gohul from the children's book that nobody remembers because people didn't go see it because they thought a book that stars owl i mean a movie that stars owls that's insane uh and then so then he did um uh well he did sucker punch there but in the early days and people didn't like that understandably uh, although it kind of did pretty well in the cult world now and he then did watchmen which was divisive but most here's the thing about it watchmen is i think the film that people who don't like Zack snyder always say oh yeah i actually that one was actually pretty good you know why he didn't have to write it it was okay. already written for him he, actually a lot of his movies are not written by him totally well, at least this one worked out fantastic well this say. one has two other writers um oh, but oh did it i couldn't tell actually, i couldn't tell the over thing. the absolute planks that were in this movie i expected that the lines to be worse but there's some really good lines here's one that i absolutely love is when um oh I, i'm 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 being terrible here i'm forgetting his name um the actor from uh, uh sons of anarchy uh who plays um who plays uh, the mix of Han Solo and Lando Calrissian? Uh, um, he, uh, his Irish character guy? has this great line. The space, I, the space Irish guy. Yeah, the, the space Scott. <laughs> Char um, Char Charlie Hunnam, if I'm saying his name right, he plays Kai. Yeah, yeah, that's the one. Um, and who I think does a good job. He has that great line: "Ah, honor the underbelly or the underside of, or no, it's guilt, the underside of honor," which is the most poignant line i've actually heard in a long time and i didn't expect to hear it here it's brilliant um you know because it, it is true right we we see these movies we see the warrior the um hero's journey all the time and and i i love joseph campbell but the reality is is that the driving force is almost always guilt it's not the desire that the whole the whole conflict that the hero overcomes the the temptations of christ all that stuff it's never um like a joyous like yes i did this now i'm gonna do this i can do anything it's always oh god i gotta do this otherwise i'm gonna kill myself and that's an interesting note um here's what i'll say another sort of wrapping that i feel like Zack snyder said this is where i think he's totally right this is what star wars needs there's characterization in this movie whether you like the characters or not it's irrelevant to this there is no characterization in the new Star Wars films. And, and frankly, there's not a lot in the old Star Wars films. It's just they're very well paced, right? And it does follow an incredibly traditional hero's journey. In fact, Joseph Campbell used it. He was a friend of Lucas and used it for um, his 
uh, his illust to illustrate the hero's journey concept, um, which can be applied to uh, countless uh, countless stories and and honors and and legends and myths throughout human history. But here's the thing: from the first moment, okay, we get first we get Anthony Hopkins narrating the backstory. You know Which, that was intended to be yeah. scrolling text. It was intended to be the Star Wars intro. Okay, then we get, um, it goes to the actual first scene with our lead character. Cora. Cora, and she's, she's um, plowing a field, played by uh, Sofia Botelia. And what's interesting here is we see her, her space cows. By the way, they're not frolicking with the space cows, Tad. That's a big plus over Star Wars. Um, at, least at least they're not milking them at the same time. That's true. Um, so she actually bends no, down. No, they're space draft horses with there are just space draft a horses. plate put on their a plate. face. It's so funny. They, it is so funny because having grown up with horses, they're, they literally, from a distance, I'm sure they just have a really plastic applique on top. When they get close, they use some 3D to, to make yeah. it a little more different. But anyway, um, she picks up, she bends down after she plows a bit and picks up dirt and lets it fall through her finger, smells it and lets it fall. That one motion, do you realize how absent any touch? Like if we, we have agreed that Zack Snyder is not nuanced, yet that moment has more uh, emotional message than I would hazard to say, and people can crucify me. I love Star Wars. I adore, we, we've talked about it on this pod. We've covered most star wars films on this pod already that has never been present in any star wars thing ever never maybe mandalorian because they do have a lot of brooding characterization in there a lot of silence where they use action to tell to to reveal things but it is just if 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 they had given snyder the chance to do a star wars film and if he had put just that one touch it would have potentially been the breaking open of the next step of star wars and instead they they just don't want to take any risks and so i appreciate that Zack snyder stepped away and said screw it i'm going to take everything that i liked from this franchise and everything that uh which he probably was not going to do originally because a lot of it is taken from Star Wars to the point where it would be derivative, much like, I mean, I like The Force Awakens over many people's arguments, but it is just a retelling, right, of, of New Hope. It's, I, I just think that it's being seen as um, a ripoff, unoriginal thing when I'm like, actually, it's almost... It's a satire without satire. It is taking the concept, which some people would call a ripoff, I guess, but it's taking the concepts and saying, I'm tired of this. I'm going to do it how I would do it. If I directed I, this film, I would do it this way. Can I just say I was so relieved that the love interest Gunner didn't become like a super fighter in the span of three yes. days after after he wasn't the chosen one. Like, he no, still it was can't Cora. fight. By the end, yeah. he's a farmer. And and I like that it's like it's realistic throughout the movie. They're like, no, he he's not good at fighting. He's been a farmer his whole life. It would be stupid for him to be magically good at this. That wouldn't make any sense. It's like, no, the woman who's trained her whole life to be a super soldier, she's really fucking good at it. She yeah. kicks ass this whole movie, and it's never like, oh, she trains him to be like a super soldier in the span of three days, something she spent her whole life doing. And I was just so relieved that it finally was like, I ended up, and then this is. 
I suspect that's why a lot of people don't like it. A woman gets to be the hero. She has a kick-ass fight scene at the end against the space Nazi, and she kicks his ass, and it's it's the a ending. I, that's yeah, that fight. It's just the, like it's so satisfying. It's it, the first it's so satisfying, satisfying to watch a space end Nazi battle get his I have teeth seen out. in so long. I mean, when he looks at because Ed Skeen plays the villain, and you'll recognize him probably as the. I mean, not his fault, but the the somewhat forgettable villain in Deadpool because he wasn't he wasn't a known villain, right? In from the comic universe, uh, but he did a good job in this. He is he is almost Christopher Gantz level Nazi, right? Like he is, does a good job being a he enjoys his work and he's a terrible creature, and he has this great. I loved. There's this. I mean, it's a spoiler, but just go watch the fucking movie. It's on Netflix. You know, you have your mom's <laughs> password. Um, it's is when he's been he's been killing people with his staff this is bone tipped you know it's very it's very um symbolic of a, probably a phallus which we can talk about but i know we're running out of time here because everybody's got a crunch um it is a she gets it from him and she hits him in the face and teeth fly out which was br- beautiful but what's interesting is is he has that line he's all bloodied and she's clearly going to do the killing blow and knock him off this floating oil buoy in the sky. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a space buoy. It's, yeah, space it's not in the water, it's in the sky for some um, reason. We're and, not sure why. And he says, this is perfect. And it is perfect, right? It's a full circle moment for his character's bit. And, and I loved that the movie just gives all of the characters, for better or worse, a moment they give them a little characterization the weakest characterization which was a little sad um came from uh the darian blood axe the um the rebel leader uh played by ray fisher who here's the uh, other thing yeah they killed the cool black friend that i know was, that was uh, here's my guess I was on not that crazy about. my guess on that is that he was added in because he because ray fisher famously had a huge falling out with Warner Brothers because he's the one that started the entire downward spiral of Joss Whedon um, and mm-hmm. and and re I'd say restaffing of Warner Brothers movie productions, but Warner Brothers doesn't restaff. The, the people at the top always stay at the top and cover for other people at the top. I mean, DC is my favorite thing in the world uh, property-wise, and I, I, I don't hide the fact that Warner Brothers is at the top criminally um culpable for for bad actions okay but ray so ray fisher has essentially been blacklisted even from other films right somebody who's outspoken against the company that he worked with is not going to get a lot of work and so i really appreciated it that Zack snyder who he everybody liked working with on justice league otherwise they wouldn't have come back for another entire shoot for a second movie basically um, he brought him in. And so I actually think he was probably added in to some extent or changed to fit um, Ray Fisher's character. Um, just, you can tell, we're just going to wrap it up, but you can tell that there is a, a, a cavalcade of amazing talent on this movie. Um, he's pulled people from Man of Steel. Of course, Anthony Hopkins plays um, uh, Larry the Robot, which is another touch. Uh, they finally, because it's not Star Wars, they don't have to do this stupid thing of Star Wars, of, of droids don't have personalities, no care, even though every droid in the Star Wars universe has insane personality. They don't have to constantly hit on that ridiculousness. Um, he has this brilliant monologue. It's like they, it's, it's like he said, hey, let's take a look at King Lear and we're not going to take Lear. We're not going to take one of his kids. We're going to take somebody else. And what if they had a monologue uh it's just beautifully done 
Um, last thing I want to mention, because again, we're wrapping it up. So we'll get to the recommendations is um, the, there are visual elements that are very clearly um, female genitalia sort of being in power over male genitalia. Wait, it's finally you're talking about the space vagina? Exactly. Yeah. And and here's the deal. <laughs> That's the first it's, thing I said. It's not new because Zack Snyder did this in Man of Steel. Krypton is nothing but giant penises sticking in the air. Seriously, go watch it. And I that's one of my favorite films of all time. And it is and it, it, I think the concept is is it falls, right? It is it is this masculine achievement that falls because which the comics bear out because of course Krypton was destroyed by a bunch of patriarchal leaders uh, ravaging the planet uh, depending on which iteration we're looking at. Um so yes, so it opens with a rift in space, a, a sort of um it's like a black hole travel. I don't know what they call it. Um, and it's a vagina. And then coming through is a vagina. Uh, this this <laughs> long ship that you think, oh, it's just another phallic symbol. But then from the front, you realize it is. it looks like a vagina with a clitoris. And this is, by the way, these are technical terms, guys. Okay, don't go losing your shit over this. Um, but it is sort of the powerhouse. And it goes through. There's lots of imagery about that in the film. Uh, and so it's which is very clear. And I really appreciate it because you could probably say that it was just a, a design nod or an accident, except for the fact that we do have a female lead who is sort of, she's allowed to cry, but she also is, yeah. you know, the, she is the title, the, the subtitled character, right? A child of fire. Mm -hmm. She's refusing to have a normal existence because of her trials and tribulations. And so she's going to default to combat every chance she not even every chance she gets when she has to, and then she will finish it. It's that whole thing. I won't fight. Uh, I won't start a fight, but I will finish this fight. Yeah. Uh, so I appreciated that. So let's move to recommendations. Obviously, I recommend this movie. I really enjoyed it. Uh, do I think it's perfect? No. Do I think it's derivative? Yes. Do I think it was intentional? Absolutely. It's just like this podcast. How many times have we sat here and said, I wish they'd done this. I wish they'd done this. That's what Zack Snyder did with this project. He's like, I wish they'd done this in all these areas, and I'm gonna make a movie about that. And it, it's fun. Regardless of whether something is weaker than something else, it's fun. The graphics are stunning. Um, the nemesis fight with the big spider lady, we didn't even touch on, um, who has this really nice, like sad backstory that you get in just a few blips before this, like long it was very scene. studio it was very studio ghibli and it's like the humans killed my baby so now i will kill the humans i'm like there could be just a whole movie about spider lady it's, it's just yeah it. i would totally watch it it would just complete you know it's society's breaking down because of globalization and a lack of uh respect for nature and a lack of and basically capitalism to the extreme right this big thing rules everything and no one could possibly reach it and touch it except those at the top it's the ultimate protection of the one percent any who's it's i like this movie i'm really excited to see what comes up i have a feeling frankly i will like this version better than the director's cut version because part of as corinne said part of what i liked about it was the restrained element of of the restraint from sexuality in this which i think is probably pretty accurate for people who are undergoing great trauma and great stress um any who's so tad would you recommend Rebel Moon? And if so, why and to who? No. <laughs> Would you recommend any Star Wars movie past Rogue One? No. Okay, see, so if, and also we all know this, Tad, we've talked about it on the pod, we've talked about it outside the pod. It's Star Wars fandom is the most toxic as far as misogyny uh, in 
in all of nerddom, really. All of geekdom, Star Wars has the most toxic, misogynistic fans. It's unfortunate. It didn't used to be that it way. It didn't used to be that way because, I mean, Princess Leia was always a strong, awesome character. She was Carrie Fisher. I mean, so, but but since that, we've gotten a lot of people we've known. I'm not going to name names because I got, I got, I did that before and it was not nicely received. <laughs> um, but we did, we did, you know, we know people like that who seem totally normal, but when one of their beloved properties is touched, they start lashing out at everything uh, involved. Uh, and, yes. and it happens to fall to against women. Yeah, I mean, I, I remember 2017 was my second falling out. So my first falling out was kind of like, meh, you know what? I've been in this for a long time. I'm done. And then this one was, ooh, maybe it's going to make a come. No, it's not. Nathan, I'm sorry. Nothing Zack Snyder could do will bring Star Wars back. And Star I don't Wars think is not, it's not coming back, everybody. Guess what? Star Wars is not coming back. Nobody can save it. It's done. It's you know what? I think done. it's I think it's moved to the point which frankly, and and we'll we'll move on to Korean after this. I think it's gotten to the point where it's actually potential it has the potential to go in the right direction, which is stories set in the universe that can do anything and be anything they want, which is what Mandalorian has showed, which is what the failure of Obi-Wan and in my opinion, um, uh, Andor have shown when they're too attached to the previous stories, we're tired. Oh crap, Nathan! We're tired, Nathan. Are you are you telling me that I need to um, let go of the past? Maybe kill it if I have to. I'm telling you that we can use the <laughs> that we can use the past. Don't don't stop going payback on me. Um, it, it, it doesn't work that way, Nathan. If you want to tell checks, a cohesive story, you can't just throw away everything that came before. It but has, you don't have, have to, to throw have it away. Sort of you don't continuity. have to tie it. I mean, we, how many, the, Absol oh, no, absolutely. You know that, they won't yeah. do it. They won't. No, they do won't. It. I agree. If, if they Disney needs to readjust. And here's the thing. And last thing, okay, more I have you to guys go. Gotta, you got to go. Crin, would you I, recommend I the movie? I eight minutes ago. Would you recommend the movie? Yes, because it has a female character who doesn't get brutalized. She gets to be the competent one. She gets to be the fighter. She makes all the connections to build the team. And, um, she actually does something, yeah. unlike the lead of Rogue One. Yeah, Rogue and One, she does nothing. She, and she's allowed to be tough, and like you said, she's also allowed to cry. I hate it when, like, if a woman's tough, she's not allowed to be anything else other than tough. And like, to tough is not a verb. I get. I like that the main character gets to be human. Yeah, perfect. All right, we're gonna. So we're gonna wrap this up. Tad and I can argue about Star Wars for hours. We have on the pod. We will continue to, even though it's funny because I think we actually agree on most things about Star Wars. It just gets Star Wars is just a property that gets the blood boiling. It's, so it's thank the you. Eighty twenty thing. It is. Uh, I don't know what that is, but we'll talk about it. Thank you so much for listening. Next week we'll talk about a Star Wars fan film from Italy called Dark Resurrection, which spawned a sequel and a short film sequel. And uh, we'll talk about it then. This has been part one of Star Wars, but not Star Wars. Thank you so much. Listen every week, Tuesdays, 5 a.m. Uh, and uh, Thursday gets classic episodes on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash at Colton Classic Films. And you can go to patreon.com slash Colton Classic Films or coltonclassicfilms.com to buy our independent release films. You support the filmmakers and you can join our Patreon to get films directly to your door every month that are weird, strange, independent, go to amazing causes and uh, you won't be able to find anywhere else. Thanks so much. Play us out as always is the Chud with All About Evil. All about evil. All about evil.
Hey everyone, thanks for listening to Colton Classic Podcast. This podcast is important to me, but what's more important are the rights, privileges, and freedom from violence of everyone in this country and in this world. And that means supporting Black Lives Matter. If you'd like to make a donation, please go ahead and visit coltonclassicpodcast.com where we have a list of places you can donate and help out. And please stay safe.